Welcome to Warehousing Unboxed, an IWLA podcast. In today's inaugural episode, we'll dive into the historical milestones of the warehouse industry and discover how third-party logistics has been at the center of it all. Then, IWLA President and CEO Jay Strother sits down with two longtime members to hear their perspective on this long history and why they work in and love third-party logistics. From ancient days to the 21st century and beyond, join IWLA to see how this essential sector has evolved to meet the ever-changing demands of a shrinking world and a global economy. When you think of warehouses, you probably think of those huge buildings just off the highway. And you're right. Obviously, these massive structures hold some type of product that you may want to come with one-day shipping, but I'm guessing you probably haven't thought about just how important these companies have been throughout history. Warehousing dates back to ancient civilizations. From ancient Greece to ancient Rome, storage facilities were crucial for preserving and safeguarding goods. In ancient Egypt, granaries stored surplus crops to ensure food security during lean times. Similarly, the Roman Empire used warehouses, known as horea, to store a variety of goods including grain, oil, and wine to support these vast networks of trade and military operations. As medieval trade routes expanded, the demand for secure storage grew. Warehouses in bustling cities like Venice and Constantinople became essential for housing valuable merchandise from distant lands. This continued for many hundreds of years. The Industrial Revolution marked a turning point in warehousing. Innovations like mechanized transportation and improved packaging techniques led to large warehouses and more efficient storage systems. The rise of railways and steamships enabled goods to be transported over long distances, causing a demand for larger and strategically located warehouses near transportation hubs. This massive shift in warehousing led to rapid advancements, which effects we are still seeing and evolving with today. The concept of third-party logistics may seem like a modern development, but its origins can be traced back hundreds of years. In the 1700s, third-party logistic companies, or 3PLs, began as the backbone of shipping products across land and sea. From horse and cart, to rail and steam during the Industrial Revolution, to present-day supply chain demands taking center stage, 3PLs have always played a pivotal role in shaping the way things move. Although it wasn't officially coined as 3PL until the mid-20th century, the industry had already been in operation for centuries. It was responsible for ensuring packages and goods reached their destination, whether it was from the countryside of England to colonies across continents and oceans in the New World, or the rapid coast-to-coast deliveries we witness today. So what exactly is a 3PL? IWLA defines third-party logistics as outsourcing all or much of a company's logistics operations to a specialized company. The term 3PL was first used in the early 1970s to identify intermodal marketing companies, IMCs, in transportation contracts. 
Up to that point, contracts for transportation had featured only two parties, the shipper and the carrier. When IMCs entered the picture as intermediaries that accepted shipments from the shippers and tended them to the rail carriers, they became third party to the contract, the 3PL. Over the years, the definition has broadened to the point where every company that offers some kind of logistics services to hire calls itself a 3PL. Preferably, these services are integrated or bundled together by the provider. Among the services that they provide are transportation, cross-docking, inventory management, packaging, freight forwarding, and of course, the most important of all, warehousing. Woven into the history of third-party logistics warehousing is the history of the International Warehouse Logistics Association, IWLA. Did you know that IWLA, or formerly the American Warehousemen's Association, AWA, is one of the oldest trade organizations in North America? IWLA was also a founding member of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. A group of concerned warehousemen founded IWLA, AWA, in 1891. These founders joined together to ensure that this vital industry would survive with the nationwide push for railroads. During these last 135 years, the warehouse industry has grown and traversed different challenges, but one constant remains, IWLA members. In the earliest warehousing days, goods were moved by horse and carriage. Products were stored, managed, and processed manually. IWLA members worked to improve that system. They knew there was a much better way to warehouse and together developed the process that we know to be modern warehousing and the new third-party logistics industry. It is because of those who went before us, those who took on regulatory battles, those who fought for and defined the terms and conditions and liabilities for our industry, and those who created great family businesses and companies, that we have enjoyed the fruits of their labor for decades. This notion of continuous improvement holds true in today's IWLA members. The companies of this association drive industry standards, embrace innovation, and use advanced technology to improve services and value to their customers. Speaking of IWLA members, today IWLA President and CEO Jay Strother sat down with two longtime members to discuss their history in the industry and with the association. Please enjoy former IWLA Chairman and PRISM Logistics President Jerry Van Pufflin and IWLA Board Member and President of Fulcrum Logistics Seth Schmiedemann. Welcome to the first edition of the Warehousing Unboxed podcast. We are going to be taking a trip down history lane and talking to some of our long-term members and some very much institutions in the industry in, in a good way. Jerry Van Pufflin from Prism Team Logistics in California and Seth Schmiedemann from Fulcrum Logistics, but he has a history with one of our long-term members, Oregon Transfer in uh, Portland. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your time, but I want to just dive in and, and have, a, Jerry, if we can start with you, can you tell us a little bit about your history in the industry and what brought you from your start to where you are now? Yeah, it's really uh, kind of an interesting history. I was in YMCA work until 1973, and decided if I was going to get married and have a family, I couldn't do it on a Y salary. So I left the Y and ended up going to work at Acme Distribution in Denver, lumping boxcars. 
This was before slip sheets, and most of the loads back then came in floor-loaded in rail cars. I used to tell people that I was a pilot. I'd go in every morning, and my boss would say, see that rail car? Pilot over there. And uh, I went from being a lumper to warehouseman to customer service manager to computer conversion manager to a general manager of a division, and then to vice president of sales and marketing in about four years there. And in 1979, I left Acme and went to Columbus, Ohio for 14 months as VP of sales and marketing. And then in uh, 1981, moved out to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area as president of Transbay Distribution. In 1983, went to president of National Distribution Agency. And after 10 years at that end company, uh, decided to start our own business. That was a unique experience because we went from very nice offices and very nice company cars to Paul riding his bike over to my house on Saturday and us setting up two bedrooms with desks and telephones on our first official day in business, which was Saturday, June 19th, 1993. Wow. So we just passed our 30th year in business this past June. All my time at working at all the companies I was involved with. I was always plugged into AWA, IWLA. I was honored when the members put me on the board of directors years ago and was blessed to serve on the board and then through the executive chairman, through the executive committee chairs. And then to be elected chairman of the board was really sort of pinnacle of, for me, in our industry. After my time on the board was over, I was really honored, flabbergasted to get the Distinguished Service and Leadership Award, which was just amazing and a great honor. Well, and it was well-deserved, Jerry. You, you've you given so much to the industry and to your peers. Let's take a step back real fast. You, you talked about your career and why, and the why, and then he's all of a sudden working for Acme. Was that a conscious choice? Was it something you fell into? Was it a targeted thing you went after the, the warehousing industry? No, it really was. I just needed to make some money. I had a sister that lived in Denver and her husband knew Jack Grinwall and they were always hiring lumpers. And I just went out there to as a temporary job to make some money. And so that's how I really got started in this business. And I don't think you're alone, Jerry. That's one of the great things in our industry is that people can, you know, not really fall into it, but start at, at the bottom. I mean, start at, you know, the real manual labor part of the job and end up as executives. And, and Seth, is that kind of mirror your history or tell us about how you got into what we're doing these days. A little bit. I, I moved out to uh, to Portland in 2005, right out of college. We just went, I grew up in Kansas and my wife and I wanted to try somewhere other than Wichita right out of, right out of school and started working for a consulting company um, doing business development work. And then in uh, 2008, financial crisis kind of hit, all the banking industry fall apart and got laid off from the job that I was at. And this interesting old warehousing company in Portland, Oregon that had been around since 1868 was looking for uh, for essentially an office manager. And I just answered a, you know, I think at the time it was indeed.com. I answered an ad and came in, met the team and uh, it felt good right out of the gate. And I started working for OT in February of 2009. You know, similarly, I, I didn't target the industry, but I, I fell into it and kind of ran with it. Have never looked back. I, I do have a little bit of family history in it. My my grandfather and my dad, my grandfather ran a, a liquor warehouse in, in Kansas and my dad worked for him doing the same work Jerry described. He was lumping cases of 
lumping cases of whiskey off and on trucks all through high school working for my grandpa. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of background there, but my my trajectory has just happened into it. It is fascinating to hear how people end up uh, where they are. So your career progression has been all in the industry has been all at Oregon Transfer and now Fulcrum. When did when did that change happen? Yeah. So I like I said, I got started as an office manager at Oregon Transfer. They knew that I had a business development background. Um, that organization was going through a leadership change. Essentially, the uh, the vice president was in charge of business development there. And um, he and I got along really well. His name is Steve Gearing. Steve was on deck to become the president when current president Gary Eichmann was set to retire. So Steve started training me to, to do business development work to follow in his footsteps. Uh, over the course of a couple of years, that, that's exactly what I did. Got involved in sales. And when Steve became president, I became vice president. And OT, again, it's an old company. Uh, same family had owned it since the 20s. Um, they decided to sell all their real estate holdings and close the company. And I was just positioned at a time um, because of that business development work that I'd done to be able to, uh, you know, start a start a new company and pick up where Oregon Transfer had left off. And that's uh, that was, you know, in a nutshell, that's what we did. We leased the companies that Oregon Transfer sold. Fulcrum bought some some forklifts and other assets. I retained some management personnel, rehired some forklift operators and one building at a time started putting back together the, uh, you know, the Oregon Transfer puzzle. Very but cool. very distinctly, a separate company from Oregon Transfer. Yes. Definitely. You know, we've been around, the association has been around since 1891. So obviously there is something that keeps members coming back, uh, but also there have been so many changes in those 130 plus years. Just in your times in the industry, Jerry, we'll start with you if you could. You know, what are the changes you've seen and and what do you think that means about the future of warehousing? There have been a lot of changes in how we do things. But really, the core thing of what we do is the same as what we did in 1891. We move boxes in and out. How we do that is very different than in 1891. And in another 20 years, it'll be different again. But the the thing that's so unique about IWLA is that the members... And because of the focus that IWA has on our industry and the members within the industry and their willingness to share ideas, best practices, failures, achievements, really to share openly with each other. It's been, I think it, it has brought through a lot of companies through all those different stages of going from horse and trailer to trucks to Cardex cards to computers to you name it, RF, and we're going into robotics and AI is around the corner. So it's it's the members that jump into those things and then are willing to share those experiences with the rest of the membership so that everybody can come along. Yeah, I think a lot of us are, aren't all that afraid to share. There's, there's a number of reasons. Any of us that do get out there and, and, work well with our peers and, and share, we, we find that that always comes back. We're all going to gain from that, that openness, that sharing. It's also, you know, frankly, I think it's a lot of us run regional operations. So there's not a ton of risk in me sharing, you know, my best practices with somebody on the East Coast. They're not necessarily coming and knocking on my door here in Portland. That allows us to feel a little bit more comfortable sharing, I think. 
So let's talk about some of those those new things you see on the horizon a little bit. Jerry, you mentioned AI and the and robotics. Are you seeing those fundamentally change how we're hiring, how we're using our employees, what kind of business we can bring in, or is it just new tools doing the old work better, faster, safer? To a, to a great degree, I think it's new tools doing this. We're still moving boxes in and out, it but it is doing it better, faster, safer. I remember going from Cardex to a computer system back with the old key punch cards. And everybody was nervous about just relying on the computer instead of that Cardex card that they had to manually fill out. And so there's always uncertainty, maybe a little fear with some people who are just set in one way of doing it. But those advances are what has kept our industry really on the leading edge of even some of our customers' capabilities. We're able to provide them with really good systems and support. And it's it's going to, I predict that's going to continue. We're, we're working on a project now where we're waiting on delivery of some equipment that's gonna be probably into next year. We've got some robotics that we're gonna be putting in that we're gonna be testing out to see how that will fit into our operation and how that will support the efforts of our employees and our growth. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, our our niche of the supply chain. One of the things that you mentioned, Jerry, is that IWLA has really served third-party warehouses. Why is our niche so important? You know, you hear so much, I mean, the general public is talking about the supply chain and, and the first time really in history, they are all aware of what, what it means when the supply chain is affected other than, you know, during tornadoes or snowstorms when they wanted more bread but or toilet paper. But how, what is special and unique about third-party, the third-party warehousing industry and, and our roles in it? Well, you're, you're right. And even... People may know a lot about and heard a lot about the supply chain industry, but there's still not a lot of people that know what the 3PL warehouse logistics industry is. We are way under the radar, but we are such a critical link in the whole supply chain. And if you look at trucking, warehousing, either trucking, I mean, if trucking shuts down, the country within three weeks will start having serious impacts. Same thing with warehousing. The warehousing and distribution center shut down. There wouldn't be anything to go on the trucks. And again, in about three weeks, the country would start facing shortages. And so the, the critical nature of our industry certainly was recognized by the government during COVID because they, I guess you could say, suggested <laughs> that we continue to operate. <laughs> I think they mandated us to continue to operate because we're a key part of the food supply in the country and uh, just getting goods around. So, All right, Jerry, you're a former chairman of the board, as you mentioned, of IWLA. Why were you willing to give your time? And what did you see of the history uh, before you took that role? Did you see you fulfilling uh, something that, that our forebears had, had given us and set us up to take the industry into a new level? Or bottom line, what were your goals as chairman and what have you seen before you that, that brought you to that place? have to go back to when I first started in the AWA and then subsequently became the IWLA. My first AWA meeting was in Colorado Springs at the Broadmoor Hotel there in 1974. And the then leaders of our industry were just so welcoming and so willing to take 
a young guy that doesn't know beans about what they've done and really mentor and help. And I see that as really the challenge that we have as an industry is taking on that mantle to pass on the knowledge, the wisdom that we got, not only from our mentors, but from the stepping in the piles that we did as we were building our businesses. So it's always helpful to try to get something, the the wisdom and experience from other folks so that if there's an issue that you can avoid that helps you survive in business, those are pretty key. And I'm going to quote something here. So this is from James A. Green, the founding president of the American Warehouse Association on October 15, 1891. I, I was actually sitting next to him when he made this. <laughs> our, our organization will be just what we members make it. No more, no less. I wish I had words to impress upon every member of this association the importance of helping the other fellow through the knowledge that when we were helping him, we were helping ourselves. That really has been, to me, the theme through AWA and IWLA is the willingness of the members to reach out and to support each other and to help each other grow and to help each other get better so that our overall industry gets better. You both touched on that. And that is an issue that we often have when we're trying to show new warehouses or warehouses that have not been involved in IWA the benefits of getting involved in this association. And many of them say, why do I want to be there when it's full of my competitors? And it's a very interesting story to tell. And, and we have, you know, real data that show that, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships. And we, are, we, we really do hope that our members will share the information, make the industry stronger and better. And Jerry, I think you and Seth have both proven that for us. And that's exactly right. I'm, I'm glad we're living what was, what was asked of us in 1891. I continue to see our members do that. I'm, I'm impressed every day when I hear the stories of what our members do with and for each other. It's pretty amazing. Jerry, has it been that way the whole time you've been part of IWA? We went through a challenging period uh, a couple of decades ago where we had leadership that wanted to make IWA, AWA something different than it was. We got at one point in time, we didn't know whether we were going to survive as an association. But we had, uh, under the leadership of Joel Anderson and Alex Glenn, we started the road back, and then under the leadership of Steve DeHaan and some guy named Jay Struther, <laughs> we uh, continued that and have become very strong. We still have work to do, no question about it. I think there's just so much opportunity for IWA and the members going forward and build on the really the, the financial strength that you and Steve built over the last many years and continue building the association. Well, thank you, Jerry. We could not do that without the input and the and the faith of our members allowing us to do that. And then and the members keep coming back, which is uh, which is a good thing too. So, Seth, what direct impact have you seen at Fulcrum from being an IWA member? Oh, direct. I, most everything's indirect, but yeah. I, I can tell you that uh, it, it's no less impactful though. Whenever I was making this transition from Oregon Transfer to Fulcrum, I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it without the help of people on this call, frankly. I had great mentorship all the way through. 
My trajectory has been, you start out that essentials education course, and education is critical to the association because it's a great way to introduce people to what services the, the association have. And that's also where you start making good connections and developing relationships. And those relationships through IWA are, are, are they've been absolutely foundational for me being able to position the company the way it is and just navigate difficult times, have a good sounding board of smart, experienced people who've been through been through things before. There's not a, a straight answer for you, Jay. Not, nothing is ever direct. No. Everything is indirect and you, re- you really never know when something's going to come back around and uh, whatever you put into it is going to come back around to help you later. But it, it, it's, it's paid well for me. Thank you, Seth. You know, a lot of the change that is forced upon us uh, comes from our requests of our customers. Are you seeing, you know, historically, like you said, Jerry, we were bringing boxes in and taking them out. Are you seeing new asks from our customers? And how are you going to, you know, prepare your your company for the future uh, as those things continue to pile up? Oh, yeah, this this there are a lot of uh, value added services that we can get into now that were not done decades ago. And. I think that's because there's a recognition from our customers that one, we're pretty good at what we do, and two, we're pretty flexible at what we do, and that we really focus on providing the services that they need. And so you've seen many companies in our industry, in this association, some of them have huge packaging operations as an outgrowth of their warehouse. So I think there's going to be more and more of that, especially as our industry gets more into the robotics and the AI type things that are coming that I don't know what all they are, but I think there'll be more reliance upon us because the smaller customers aren't going to be making those kind of investments. They're investing in their products and selling their product. And uh, we can provide the depth of the backup coordination and services they need to get their products to market. When I started working with uh, this side of the industry, I was in in other distribution associations before I got here. But, you know, I had heard the term third-party logistics really had not always applied to the warehousing side of things. Do you think that we have evolved enough that people, when they do know the term 3PL, they're thinking about more than trucking? And and, uh, and as as our industry matured in that 100, in the 130 years we've been here, or is it still going to have some other growing pains and, and to get to a true mature industry? Oof. Uh, I'll just throw out there before Jerry gets his turn first this time. G- generally, generally, we transportation's two-thirds of a supply chain budget. Warehouse is somewhere around a third. People are always focusing on where all the money's at first, which is transportation. I think that's always going to have us, you know, whenever people are talking about third-party logistics, warehousing is always going to fall in that pecking order. However, real estate has become a real issue around the country, and people are paying more attention because of that. Yeah, I, I agree with what Seth said, that transportation really drives a lot of the decisions, and it's the support for where those crossroads are in logistics that warehousing really plugs in so well. And the benefits that we provide the manufacturers is we have obviously the capability, the flexibility, and the really the desire to serve them that may not have the same response from an internal 
distribution center as they do when they call somebody that we bill every month for our services. <laughs> so I don't know that we'll ever be the shining star of the supply chain industry. From my standpoint, we are because we're 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 sort of the one of those foundational pieces. I think we have a a lot to look forward to within industry, and as as we get better. And as technology and systems develop more, I think we're going to be able to do more with customers out there who really just want to focus on their business. Well, gentlemen, uh, I think this has been really great. Are there any final thoughts on you know what you've seen historically, what you're predicting for the future? Uh, any any stories, any war stories you'd want to share with us about you know what you've seen and and what what your predecessors went through? That you're glad you didn't have to come through any any of that. It was made clear to me whenever I started at Oregon Transfer, and you know, they'd been a part of the association for all those years. 1912, I think, is whenever they got in. You know, the same holds true today. You, you just have to get in, get to know people, contribute, share, and it's going to come. It'll come back around. And all of the guys that came before me told me that they gave me the opportunity to get involved, and I did. And they've been right. And I don't have any reason to suspect that it'll be any different moving forward. I, that, I think that's the key to to uh, just being a good member of, of the industry and helping yourself just as much as you can help anybody else. Yeah. I When, when we started our business, as I said, uh, we started on a Saturday with converting a couple of bedrooms in my house to offices and Monday morning started dialing for dollars. Didn't have a warehouse, didn't have a customer. And, uh, but the first thing we did was join IWLA because I knew that the resources and within IWLA and especially within the members was something that we desperately needed to be able to start and grow our business and to protect our business. You know, IWLA is, it's a unique association specifically on the 3PL warehouse logistics industry. And it speaks for us from a legislative standpoint, from a regulatory standpoint. It's really, it really speaks for us in the broad base. When you look at, Jay was talking earlier about the supply chain and the attention that it's gotten. And when you look at logistics, everybody can almost claim that they're part of logistics. It is such a broad, broad term. I mean, temporary service labor providers can say, yeah, we're part of logistics. And what IWLA is able to do is speak for us and for our industry, our specific piece of the industry, and represent us within the logistics industry because we need protections with our dealings with truckers, with customers, with other people within the industry. Uh, railroads, that's how the association was started. So it's it's a unique organization has been, continues to be, and uh, we need to make sure that we support it well. Hopefully you understand I'm all in with IWLA and have been because I know what it's done for me and for my family. And I'm just very grateful. I couldn't have said it better. IWLA is very lucky to have both of you. Thank you very much for the time you give the association and the industry. I think that uh, none of us would be able to, to serve our, our customers or our members without the history you've given us. So I appreciate the time you gave us today and the knowledge that you've brought to your, to your jobs and to your positions as leaders in the association. So uh, thanks for that. So anything else, anything else anybody wants to say? Have a great day. 